0: Please turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'm going to pause for a moment to give you the opportunity to get there. John chapter 6. I want you to read this. Sometimes I read the verses to you. Sometimes I want you to read them with me. But in John chapter 6, Jesus had been ministering. And he gets toward the end, really about the end of the the sermon and in verse 60, it says, Many therefore of his disciples, not many therefore of the people, but many therefore of his disciples, people who had been following him from place to place to place. Therefore, Many, uh, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it or who can, can understand or receive this? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? Eh, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure That thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. This morning, I kind of gave you a very brief introduction, preview, or, um, you know, baited the hook to try to get people to pay attention to the service tonight about uh, this church, but also like the churches, uh, the Tulsa Prayer Center, the Immaculate Prayer Center. And the title of the sermon is, Why Don't Churches Grow? Now, it's not just these three, but why don't churches grow in general? There was a church, I read an article here not too long ago, about a church um, in this region. church been around for a long time. They were averaging, I don't know, maybe about 150 people. And then, over the last, I think it was, three to five years, maybe five, let's just say five years, their attendance has gone up to 800. And they are going into this building program. And I remember thinking, gee whiz, (laughs) that must be nice. Uh, You know, the whole attendance thing. Uh, Building programs can be a pain in the neck, but just, you know, to have that kind of growth. And uh, every now and then, over the years, I've read these stories about somebody who they start a church in their garage, or they start a church in a an empty storefront that maybe it had been a barber shop. You know, we're not talking something really big here. And they have uh, seven people, ten, fifteen people, whatever. But then, just a few years later, they're running like two, three, four thousand people. And I'm thinking, Shazam! What's the deal with this? What's going on? And uh, honestly, I do my best to not get over into that murmuring thing. Because that's not good. But I have questions. And I think they're fair and legitimate questions. You probably do too. In fact, you probably have a lot of questions about these things you don't say. You don't talk about. And uh, here... We have people who visit once, twice—I don't know, maybe three times—but they never come back. It's like, well, why not? And that's not just a one or two or three-time occurrence. <laughs> that's been a pattern over the years. Why haven't you come back? You know, what's wrong? What's going on here? Then we've had people who've attended for quite a period of time, and boom, they leave. You know, kind of like what we just read here. You know, the disciples. And then, well, you know, we're out of here. And people leave. Now, some people leave. I understand why they leave. Maybe they a job transfer, they have to go. Just There are legitimate reasons. But a lot of these people that have left, I don't know what the legitimate reason was. But, but they're gone. And what really got me um, focused on this was a story I read this week. In here, this, there was this church. I'm not going to name the church. I'm not going to name the city. But there was this church, and I don't know how long it had been in existence. Let's say it had been in existence for 30 years, but it had grown. And it was pretty good size. I don't know the exact number, but it was a pretty good, hundreds, hundreds, at least hundreds, if not a thousand or two thousand. And so they're growing and they made a decision that they, they had to do something to accommodate the growth. So what they did was buy a um, an outlet mall that had been closed. So they buy this outlet mall and they're going to use it for their church. And They go in there and they start doing some work to get it fixed up. And I don't know what happened because um, I... Couldn't find any details on this, but something happened. The pastor left, and I mean it was a mass exodus from that church. The church got down to about 100 or 120 people. Now you can imagine how empty that antique mall felt with only about 100, 120 people in attendance. But not only that, They had this this huge mortgage. And so, yeah, things are pretty tough. Well, in 2002, and I don't know how long it was uh, from the time that the congregation got down to 100, 120, but anyway, in 2002, they contacted another man, you know, would you come and be our pastor? And at first he told him no. But he prayed about it. And he really believed that God wanted him to go there. So, he said, okay, I'll, t- I'll be your pastor. So he moves to that city, and he becomes the pastor. That was in 2002. Okay, it's now 2022. 20 years later. And here's what happened. That church, they went from that 100, 120... And began growing, and growing, and growing. And I saw pictures of what they've done in that uh, antique mall. And it's not Solomon's temple opulent. But what they did, I guess my jaw must have dropped. I don't know. you got to be kidding me. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. Look at this. Oh my goodness. Look at that. And I saw the kind of video and audio equipment they had. I mean, yeah, <laughs> drool, drool, drool. <laughs> but the money that was spent to do what they have done had to have been more than what they paid for the antique mall. I think they got the antique, the whole property, everything with the antique mall. I think they got it for like $1.7 million. But it had been um, valued at $7 million. So, yeah, they got a good break on it when they first bought it way back. But I'm telling you, they had to have spent more than $1.7 on everything I saw. They had a room. It was like a video arcade. I don't mean just one or two machines. There were all kinds of video arcade machines in there. I'm looking at picture after picture. It's like, good glory. What in the world? And not only that, but that church has grown so much that they have opened six... Satellite campuses in the metro area where they live, and they're now running about 6,000 people per Sunday in 20 years. And I'm looking at that, it's like, okay, that guy's been there 20 years. I've been here a little over 20 years. Let's see. Hmm. Um, He has dark hair. I used to. And I'm honestly I'm wondering. I'm not complaining to God, but I'm I'm wondering why, what's going on, how how does this happen, and why is it not happening here? And I'm not saying why aren't we at six thousand, but how about one hundred sixty? You understand what I'm saying, and you thought some of the same things, so why not? Well. As I'm praying about this, and I mean, well, I kind of, I was only half praying, you know, talking to me and talking to God at the same time. I don't understand what. But I mean, it, I did not hear this voice. You know, I'm at home in my office. I didn't hear this voice. I'll tell you why. It wasn't anything like that, but on the inside, it's like it was there. It was there. Now, here it is. This is the number one reason. Why this church and other churches have not grown. And this is not a joke. It's serious. The number one reason is because people do not see a perceived benefit to be here. There's no perceived benefit. That's why they're not here. Okay. What if we announce that every Sunday morning everybody who attends gets a hundred dollar bill? What do you think is going to happen? Now all of a sudden people see a perceived benefit to be here. And they don't care what I preach. They don't care what we sing. And I say, okay, you know, at the end of the service, you get your hundred dollar bill. They're going to hang around and they're going to, and they're going to get their hundred dollar bill. So now all of a sudden the people have a perceived benefit for being here. Hardly anybody, and I mean, do I have hard statistics for this? No, but I have a ton of common sense. Hardly anybody diligently seeks God for confirmation about a church to attend. Hardly anybody. It always and without fail is based upon... Perceived benefit to self. That's it. Perceived benefit to self. And and if you think that I'm wrong on this, just in a very nice, polite, loving way, have a conversation with somebody you know who goes to another church. And just ask them, why do you go to that church? Don't be confrontational. Just say, you know, I'm trying to learn things from people. And I'm just wondering, like, for you, for instance, you go over to the whatever church. um, Now, why do you go to that church? And they're going to give you the reason. And then you ask, well, I've got another question about that. Um, And I'm not trying to be confrontational here. I'm I'm seriously, I'm just, I'm trying to learn. I need help. And I'm asking you to help me. And I want you to be totally 100% honest with me. Did you truly pray before choosing to attend this church? And if they are truly honest, they will truly tell you, I did not truly pray. That's just the way it is for most people at most churches. They attend a church because of a perceived self-benefit. Now, I want you to think with me here. Almost every one of you, well, I don't, many of you, you are familiar with the teaching of of Pastor Dave Roberson. Now, he's passed on to be with the Lord, and I'm talking about the teaching, not the services where he moved prophetically, but I'm talk- talking about the teaching. Most of you are familiar with, with his teaching, and quite frankly, when he called it the teaching anointing, but when he was teaching line upon line, he's the best I've ever heard in my life. The, no, I've never heard anybody better. He is amazing. And uh, many of you are familiar with the teaching of Tim Stemple. You're familiar with the teaching of um, Alan Taylor. I'm guessing all of you are familiar with the teaching of Gary Carpenter. Now all four of those individuals are associated with the prayer center in Tulsa, knowing that Pastor Dave has gone on to be with the Lord. Knowing the quality, the depth, the, the meat teaching that exists in that church, even with Pastor Dave being gone, why in the world wouldn't people be there? But along with that, you know the teaching, the quality in-depth teaching of Pastor Bronk Flint from the prayer center in Immokalee. He's ministered here many times. And you know the level of his teaching. And then, let's talk about here. Yeah, I know I'm the pastor, and I know that that God's called me to teach. I understand that. But, (laughs) you know, we have Barry. We have Elaine. We have Jamie. You know, it doesn't matter who stands up here. You're going to get word. You're going to get teaching at a level that is foreign to most churches. It's deep, it's good, it's it's meat, it's there. Okay, now, anybody who is truly hungry for the Word of God, for teaching, for in-depth teaching, could go to any one of these three churches, the prayer center of Immokalee, the prayer center of Tulsa, or here, could go to any one of these three churches and get that level of teaching. So where are they? It's not the teaching isn't available. It is. So why aren't the people here? But along with that, at all three of these churches that I've mentioned, all three of them, the gifts operate. Now, not in every service, like some churches. They Sometimes, I'm telling you, some of that's got to be faked. It's hard for me to believe that. I'll leave that alone. But, In every one of these three churches, the gifts of the Spirit will operate. And there will be prophecy, there will be tongues and interpretation, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Those things happen in all three of these churches. All of them. So then, if somebody wants to be in a church where the gifts are in operation in a balanced scriptural manner, You've got three churches to to choose. But not only that. In all three of these churches, healings have manifested. Miracles have manifested. Here, and in all three of those churches. And maybe more in the other two than here, but they've happened here. They absolutely have happened here during His services. So now if somebody wants to go to a place that believes in healing where healing has taken place and miracles have happened, you've got three churches you can pick. But when you understand that at all three of those churches, they've got more at the prayer center in Tulsa, but what we have and what they have there in Immokalee, I mean, it's similar in attendance. Very similar. So what's going on? What is really going on? It has to do with perceived benefit to self. Because you see, out of all the people who have ever come here to visit, if they perceived self-benefit to being here, they would still be here. Regardless of the reason for the self-benefit. That That is irrelevant. You know, they could, they could say, wow, I really like those ceiling fans. I think I'll attend this church. It doesn't matter. If they... If there is a perceived self-benefit, they will be here. When you talk about... Um, well, there was a family, I know of a situation where a family lived um, in Florida. They lived on the Gulf Coast. But they started attending a church on the Atlantic Coast. And every Sunday, they're driving two hours one way to be at that church. The reason was because of the worship in that church. It was genuine, it was real, and, and they wanted that. This family, they understood about worship, and that they wanted to be a part of that. So when they found a church that had that kind of worship, two hours driving was no big deal to them. And I think that went on for, I don't know, like maybe two years before they ended up moving, going somewhere else. But, they would drive two hours one way to get to that church because of the perceived benefit of what was happening through the praise and worship. So they they made the effort to be there. But along with that, it's why people, the the lack of perceived benefit, it's also why people leave a church. You know, in John chapter 6, what we just read, there were people disciples of Jesus they who knows how long they've been traveling with him but then something happened it was this sermon and they reached a conclusion that there is that they no longer perceived a benefit to self in following him in spite of all the the miracles in spite of the teaching in spite of the of the healings in spite of Everything that happened through his ministry, in spite of all of that, they decided there is no longer any self-benefit for me to continue with this man. I'm leaving. And it says they walked with him no more. They left. So the modern equivalent of that is they left the church. They were gone because they no longer saw any benefit to themselves to hanging around Jesus. Jesus. Um, we've had people come in here and they have left before the praise and worship was over. Now, you and I sit back and think, what is wrong with you? And guys, the praise and worship here, it's real. I mean, we have people come in like for the conference, And they talk about, man, the praise and worship, why it's great, that it's amazing, I came here mostly for the praise and worship, so on and so forth. Okay, we have great praise and worship. So somebody who comes in, and not only that, but God's presence is here. Now sometimes stronger than others, but His presence is here. So somebody comes in, And this praise and worship is going on, and halfway through, they leave. Why? Well, here's why. It's because they do not perceive any self-benefit to being in that kind of worship and what God is doing. They don't. Not at all. Because if they did, they'd stay. Even if if they can't stand a sermon... They would at least stay through the praise and worship if they perceived a benefit to staying. But they didn't perceive any benefit, so they left. And, you know, you sit back and wonder, why would you do that? Well, it's because they don't see any benefit. It's simple. It's very simple. Listen, if people are going to leave Jesus in spite of, who He was when He was walking this earth, and what He did, if they're going to leave Him because they no longer see, they no longer perceive a benefit to themselves by staying with Him, what chance do we have? Now, I'm, this is not a defeatist message. I'm letting you know this is what's going on. See, it's not just this church. You know, We've had people here who have either laughed or thought of leaving, Because something someone said or did, well, they didn't like it, and they took offense. And so to them, they perceived a greater benefit to self in leaving over what that person said or did as opposed to staying for what God is doing. So because of what One single person in the congregation did or said, or didn't do, or didn't say, the individual gets offended, takes offense, and decides, well, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go find another church. I'm going to go somewhere else. Why? Okay, why? Because you've decided there is nothing here worth staying for. You no longer see any perceived self-benefit, so you're going to leave. Because of what one person did. that speaks volumes, doesn't it? See, this is not simply about this church, or the prayer center in Immokalee, or the prayer center in Tulsa. We could all get in our vehicles and start driving around, and you know what we're going to see? We're going to see small churches all over the place that have been there for decades. And It doesn't matter what they teach or preach. They're still small. They're still there. And there's been no growth. But then we could also drive and find some other churches. It's like, oh my goodness, I remember when that church was, you know, itsy bitsy teensy weensy. Now look at it. Well, the reason for that is because there were a lot of people who saw perceived self benefit to go into that church it doesn't matter what the benefit was they saw a self benefit to being there and so they started going and so it's not just this church it's any church because you take a church there's a church i drive by every time i come here small church i mean and seriously this church there's no way they could add on to their building they don't have any land they don't even have a really a parking lot that church has been there for I have no idea how long. When I see if if that church reaches 120 people in attendance, I don't know what they're going to do. But they've never hit that. They've never reached that, that problem, if you will, because there aren't enough people who perceive personal benefit in going to that church, regardless of what they teach. So when it comes to somebody attending a church, there are so many reasons. The, the perceived self-benefit. Some people would say, oh man, they, boy, that church, they got a great choir. Or they got a great praise team. Man, I just, I just love that choir. Love that praise team. I, I'm going to go to that church. Okay. But what do they teach? Does that matter? No. It doesn't. Because to that individual, the perceived benefit of a great choir or a great praise team, it trumps everything else. Because that's what they want. That, to them, is of more value than anything else. Likewise, you know, (laughs) why do you go to that church? Oh, man, they've got great children's programs. And that's an interesting one, because here you are, you've chosen to go to this church over here because of the great children's programs. Well, that's not really a perceived benefit to you. That is a forced benefit on your children. Because you are telling them, we need to go to this church because you need to be in this church's children's programs. Well, how do you know the children's programs are worth being in? Well, that's because our kids like the games. They get treats every week. I mean, I don't know, but they've got a great children's program. Okay, that's that's to the people, the thing, the reason, the benefit to them. Well, why we go to that church? Well, it's close to home. So then proximity is now the greatest benefit to you. I remember talking to one person; they had uh, their family had moved, and a uh, family they're Christians. I was talking to them about church, and he said, yeah, you know, we just want to find just a a really good Baptist church. So to this person, finding a really good Baptist church was the priority. Well, what makes a really good Baptist church? I don't know. But Baptist was the priority to that individual beyond anything else. And eventually, you know, as far as I know, they found one. You know, somebody, some people would say, well, you know, I want to go to a big church. I want a large church with a lot of people. Okay, then you're going to go to a large church with a lot of people because that's the perceived benefit for you. Now, what is that perceived benefit? Well, I get to hide in the mix and nobody bugs me. (laughs) Then somebody, somebody else says, well, man, you know, I, I like a small church, a little church, where you know everybody. Really. I mean, like that TV show, where everybody knows your name. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Brother Martin. That 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 show, what what church was that show about? (laughs) Well, the people were cheerful, that's for sure. (laughs) I like a small church. You know, you know, that family atmosphere. I like a so then a small church that is the benefit to you. So you're gonna find yourself a small church and go to a small church. You know. Why do you go to that church? Oh man, they've got, they have got the best coffee. Let me tell you. Now you may think that's silly, but I'll guarantee you for some people, that is a high ranking perceived benefit for going to a particular church. Oh yeah, you just, you know, I get my my latte and my cappuccino, and we sit and we talk before the service in the sippy sippy and. The perceived benefit some people like because, you know, well, you got a, a pretty building. I like that building. Oh my goodness. I like that building. You know, why do you go to that church? Why do I go to that church? Seriously? Have you seen the restrooms? Oh my goodness. I drink five cups of coffee before I go to church just so I can go to the bathroom over and over. Those bathrooms are the best in the world. Now that's silly. All right. I don't think anybody would do that. But what I'm trying to do, is help you understand that people have these reasons that are what they perceive as being benefit to themselves. That's why they choose a church. Why do you go to that church? Well, it just feels good. It just feels right. (laughs) Okay, so what you feel determines the church you go to. Maybe you don't need to, to go to a church where you feel good. Maybe you need to be in a church that rattles your cage. Where there's some some conviction. Maybe that's what you need. And see, this is one of the reasons why you have so many of these, quote, seeker-friendly churches. It's because people go there, they perceive a benefit of being in that church, and it's why they grow. And the benefit rarely ever has anything to do with doctrine. Unless it's, you know, cheap doctrine. When people... See, what, what happens is this, whatever you place value on is what determines your decision. So if you value a great choir, then that's it for you. If you value pews over chairs, then you're going to look for a church with pews. If, whatever whatever it is, that becomes a driving reason for you to make that choice. And there are people out there, they have yet to, to arrive at a perceived benefit conclusion to attend here. Because it's not like everybody here stinks. You know, we bathe you understand what I'm getting at? Now, when people begin to perceive the benefit of attending here, they will start attending. Simple. They'll start attending. But keep in mind, signs and wonders alone aren't going to do it. Because we've had people come here who've gotten healed. We've had people come here who got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, there's one person came, their church doesn't believe it, their church doesn't teach it, but they want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> minister to that person, they get filled, they're speaking in tongues, never come back. Go figure. And so what happens is, we keep doing our thing, all right? but, but you got these people out there, when they come to the place of perceiving benefit to being here, regardless, Regardless of the benefit, they will be here. If you've got pew lovers and they see these pews, these are the most beautiful pews I've ever seen in my life. And that's why they attend, praise God. (laughs) If they like the ceiling fans, and that's why they attend, glory to God. If they love our luxurious restrooms, and that's why they attend, praise God. Whatever the reason, they're here. And we get to feed them the Word of God. We get to minister to them. I love your parking lot. (laughs) You know, I love your grass. Why? I just love the wood beams. I love the speakers. Oh, and I love your white hair, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be here. Whatever the reason. It doesn't matter. Because once they're in here, and we get to touch their lives, and God gets to touch them through us, So then the question somebody might ask would be this. Well, Pastor Jim, this is all rather interesting, but what can we do to help people perceive the benefit of being here? Wrong question. Because the moment you ask that question and try to figure it out, is the moment you are stepping off the path of pressing into outpouring and revival, and you're looking to be a seeker-friendly church. What do we do? Here's what we do. We keep pressing in. We change nothing. We don't do anything unless God says, okay, do this. We keep doing what we're doing. And if people don't want to come, they don't want to come, whatever the reason. If people start showing up, then they start showing up, whatever the reason. I like the carpet. I'll be here. But whatever they choose, whatever the reason is, at least they will be here. But we don't change what we're doing. We keep pressing in. Just like Jesus. When all those people that were following Him left and walked with Him no more, and He turns to the Twelve and He says, Hey, you guys want to go too? And Peter says, "Well, Where would we go? You're the one that has the words of life. And and Jesus essentially says, okay, let's go to the next city. And off they went. He didn't try to figure out what could be done to keep those people following him. We cannot allow ourselves to get to the place where we're trying to figure out how to create a perceived benefit in the minds of people. Quite frankly, I can think of a lot of good benefits of being here. A lot of them. But, it's up to the people. Hey, think about this. All these people that live in these houses here around the church, do you know why they're not here? I mean, they could walk here. They perceive no benefit of being here, a church that's in their backyard. No benefit. We're still here. We're still doing what we do. Look over in in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read here in Proverbs chapter 3 in just a moment, but in in Psalm 32, verse 8, God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And then here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This is the way people are supposed to figure out what church to attend. No matter how far they have to drive, no matter how large, how small, choir, no choir, whatever. Now the problem with that is all the people that need to hear this, they're not here. <laughs> so maybe somebody will be watching this. I don't know. But this is how you pick a church. You go to God and say, okay God, what and where? And He'll lead you. And in some cases, you know, he may tell the person or the family, whatever the case would be, I want you logging on and watching such and such church as though you are actually in that building. And I want you to be in that church in your living room. You answer no phone calls. You take it seriously. And you do that until I tell you to actually physically attend wherever. Because God could be working, putting things together to establish a church in that region where He wants you to attend. But the key is seeking God and, and following His leading and His instruction concerning the church you attend. The whole thing... the. The perceived benefit to me about being here or the prayer center of Immokalee, the prayer center of Tulsa, the perceived benefit to me is walking the path of truth into an outpouring and revival. That is the perceived benefit. And that's what I would do. That's why I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) I like this path we're on. You know, there are challenges, yeah. But, we will never regret being on this path.